This is an RNZ podcast. The Herald kicked off last week with a front page devoted to Sid and Chan Sarawat's decision to close their three upmarket Auckland restaurants for two weeks over staffing shortages. The paper elevated the Sarawat situation to the highest office in the land, recording a response from Jacinda Ardern under the headline PM on the plight of the French cafe. I am aware of those issues uh, and we as a cabinet have discussed what can we, what can we do in the face of what are in very, uh, a very large number of areas some very genuine need, at the same time continuing to encourage sectors to draw on and train New Zealand's domestic workforce. This was the start of a media blitz for hospitality industry bosses. Over the next few days, a succession of restaurant and cafe owners were filmed ceremoniously switching off their lights as part of the Restaurant Association's The Reset campaign. It aimed to put pressure on the government to allow more migrant hospitality workers into the country to fill gaps appearing in the rosters of many bars and eateries. For a while, its talking points went pretty much unchallenged. The project's coverage saw presenter Jeremy Corbett quizzing a bar owner who brushed off a question about whether restaurant owners could perhaps attract staff with better pay offers like this. One of the problems, uh, Evan, that we've heard about is that Kiwis don't want to work in your establishments for some of those jobs. Is it possible low wages are keeping them away? Could the hospitality industry perhaps pay more? No, absolutely not. That's an absolute misconception and a, and a false lie that's been repeated for, for years and years and years. The project's host accepted that and moved on. On RNZ's Checkpoint, the general manager of Morningside's Crave Cafe listed a series of potential solutions to his staffing shortage. Options are we could, we could close the kitchen for a day, um, a week. We could make our menu much eat much smaller and uh, one chef could do it for those for a few, certain few days. We don't know how to just try and find someone, you know. Just pay lots more money. Um, an, an unsustainable amount of money is a, is, is a point. These initial reports were a lesson in how a well-run PR campaign can sometimes help you sneak in some early less than critical coverage for your cause. Because as it turns out, many hospitality workers don't see their pay levels as quite such an insurmountable or insignificant factor in their industry's staffing shortage, and this week their voices have started to cut through. The morning after the project ran its story, the founder of hospitality advocacy organisation Raise the Bar, Chloe-Anne King, had this to say in an interview with RNZ's First Up. Our jobs are highly skilled, and to be offered such low pay, it's, it's an absolute insult. So if employers want to see us coming back into the industry, they're going to have to offer higher wages. They're going to have to offer us working conditions that don't leave us burnt out and feeling like we are subhuman. King's message echoed that of Charlotte Mudu Lanning, a former hospitality worker who now writes at the spin-off. She told RNZ Podcast the detail that hospitality employers should be concentrating on fixing their exploitative industry rather than patching over their problems with migrants. I don't doubt that there's a worker shortage. The blame for that lies on the industry as a whole and for the people who are kind of decision makers and who speak out in that industry. I don't think that they've done enough to um, encourage people into the industry. If there were not enough jobs and there were all these hospitality workers looking for work, they would have to upskill to try and look good enough for an employer to employ them. But when it comes the other way around, there's not that same expectation to draw us in. On RNZ's 9 to Noon, political commentator Stephen Mills also criticised hospitality bosses for getting their hackles up as soon as they face a market where they have to compete for workers, as opposed to one that works the other way around. We've had this farcical situation where hospital businesses have been saying, 
oh, we can't get people to work in restaurants and we're going to have to pay too much money to get New Zealanders, so we're going to shut down and turn our lights off and all this stuff. Um, we've talked for ages about how we need a high-wage economy. We've talked for ages about our low-wage problem. The moment there's a labour shortage and working people are able to actually demand more, we get demands to bring in more low-income labour. It likely wasn't intentional, but Employers and Manufacturers Association Head of Strategy Alan McDonald fueled that chorus of criticism in an interview with Newsroom's Jonathan Milne. He told Milne the country's current unemployment rate of 4.5% is too low and needs to be closer to 5% to help stave off wage inflation and help businesses retain staff. Some commentators pointed out that the EMA now raising concerns about high employment recently opposed Labour's minimum wage rise in part on the basis that it would cost jobs. Labour-aligned political commentator Neil Jones called McDonald's argument truly monstrous. Economist Shamabil Yakub is also unimpressed. Kia ora, Shamabil. Welcome to Media Watch. Kia ora. Now, what's your reaction when the EMA says we need to push unemployment higher to help businesses retain staff and constrain wages? I think that's the kind of thing you say inside your head, not in public. What sorts of solutions would you apply to this problem of recruitment? Well, the most obvious is businesses need to pay more. There is, in fact, more than 300,000 New Zealanders out there who are able to work but currently not working. We need to increase wages to attract people into work. How do you react when you see hospitality employers turning their lights out and saying that they need more migrants to help fill the holes in their rosters? Look, we know the hospitality industry has been hit hard, mainly because of the loss of foreign tourists. But at the same time, we can't just go, we're going to exploit workers from overseas to be able to sustain our businesses. The hospitality industry has long had issues um, in terms of unstable work, low pay, uh, low certainty. Those are things that can be improved. In many other countries, working in hospitality is seen as a secure and good job. In New Zealand, that is not the case. The work is hard, the work is low paid, and the work is insecure. If you fix those things, you will find more workers. It's not just about pushing unemployment up. It's actually matching up, what is it, the 300,000 people looking for work with actual work that they can do and has the paying conditions that they're willing to accept. Exactly. I think the idea that somehow we've run out of people in New Zealand is simply not true. There are hundreds of thousands of people out there who are potentially available to work, but they might need higher pay, they might need better conditions, they may, may need some help with training. All of these things are entirely possible. Our knee-jerk reaction shouldn't be that I deserve access to cheap labour from overseas as the only solution. Do you think that the media coverage you've seen has been sort of imbalanced towards employers' perspectives? Yeah, there is this weird kind of blaming, oh, there's nobody to work and we deserve access to cheap labour from overseas. Well, there is no deserve, there's no God-given right. I think we need to find balance that for a long time, New Zealand businesses have paid far less than other places. We know that as a country, we have less of our economy going towards workers compared to business owners. It is about finding that balance, and I think that balance has not been present in a lot of the media coverage. Has the media been critical enough of these employers' perspectives and put different solutions to them as you're doing now? Well, I don't think we've gone far enough because we need to find those other stories about businesses that, in fact, are recruiting and they are paying better wages and they are filling those vacancies. Uh, we can't always have this perspective that somehow businesses deserve some kind of hand up when things are hard, but when things are good, they get to take all the profits on. 
has the media, in your opinion, been good enough at putting some of these things, like the lights-out protests from restaurants, in economic context? Look, the coverage hasn't had context, and we don't see that international context. We don't see that other ways of dealing with uh, labour shortages. We know that there is more than one way to solve a problem. We can't assume everything is fixed, and the only thing that shifts is what people are willing to work for. And that story just hasn't come through strongly enough for me. I would like to see far greater exploration of the fact that there are many businesses and many industries in New Zealand where sales have gone up, profits have gone up, and the same businesses are arguing that we need to have access to cheap labour because we want to make more money. Is the missing perspective here the workers' perspective, which I guess in many cases, especially for New Zealand workers trying to find jobs, this is an actually good situation for them? Well, the situation is good in the sense that they're in demand, but many of those people may not have exactly the right skills or may not be in exactly the right place for these vacancies. That means businesses cannot simply rely on workers to make all the sex sacrifices. They need to make investments in training and helping people into these positions. And that's okay. That is something that we should be doing and we don't do enough of. Some disclaimers apply here. Employers have an important perspective and broadcasting it doesn't brainwash audiences into believing every word. In the end, workers' voices did start to cut through and the employers' campaign started to seem a lot less sympathetic. But it might have been nice to hear earlier on from those who may not have been so keen to switch off the lights over a market offering them higher wages and a better shot at getting a job. This roiling two-week-long media saga comes with a small warning. Even if a story comes packaged with glossy PR and on-call media talent, it's worth checking for other perspectives before going to air or hitting print.